Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in this space. This week, it's episode seven of season three. We're going to have a chat around Azure Stack, a way for organizations to extend Azure capabilities to the edge, the data center, and your on-premise environments. Hey, Alan, uh, how are you doing? Hey, Sam, I'm not doing too bad. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I think you gave me the stat that we're a third of the way through this podcast season. So yeah, we're absolutely smashing through it, right? Time's flying by. Yeah, I can't believe we've done, or would have done by the end of this episode, seven. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it is, yeah. And like we said before, it's it just... It's just part of the routine now, right? It's just, yeah, get on, record the podcast. And yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely working really well. And um, we can see from the stats that, yeah, there's lots of people uh, listening in and, and we've got good growth. So yeah, we'll just continue, <laughs> continue on and um, yeah, see how it goes. Okay, so this this week, um, as I mentioned in the intro, um, we're, we're taking a uh, a first look, I'll call it, at Azure Stack. Um, I'm going to be sort of uh, driving this one, um, but Azure Stack is not an area. Um, and Alan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that me, neither me nor Alan have much experience in. Uh, that's for sure, because day to day hybrid infrastructure isn't, um, I wouldn't say, is our focus, is it, Alan? No, no, definitely not. We're more, uh, more the, cl- the cloud cloud guys yeah exactly we're definitely uh living in sort of cloud first uh cloud first land um but what i think is and we have done some episodes on um you know on-premise versus the cloud and and things like that and i think one area that's because of our experience and what we you know we deal with day to day we don't really get involved in um uh hybrid environments right you know, so, um, and I think what, what's really interesting is with Azure Stack is that there's a collection of tools that can possibly help, you know, uh, help with that, right? So, um, and it, it was only by chance that I happened to see a, I think it was a YouTube video about Azure Stack pop up in my feed. I watched it and I was like, what is this? I have to know more. <laughs> so <laughs> I spent uh, too much time uh, looking into it because a lot of these uh, solutions are, I'll call it like paywalled behind <laughs> um, system integrators and sort of, you know, enterprise sort of hardware uh, requirements. Um, so, so yeah, so we, 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 we probably won't be able to give you any <laughs> um, nuggets of uh, Azure Stack day-to-day operational knowledge. Um, but I, I think it was worth doing an episode on it because um, we all get to learn about things that we maybe wouldn't ever see day-to-day, right? Yeah, and it, you're right. We might not know about it and some of our listeners might not know about it and then all of a sudden someone, you know, may, maybe it might fit a scenario they're looking at, looking for. Yeah, it, exactly. Because I, I think one of the biggest challenges of Azure in general for me is just the breadth of capability that's there, right? And understanding all of the edges of that capability as well. And so, yeah. Uh, and if you are an Azure Stack engineer, consultant, architect, um, yeah, I apologize if we <laughs> if we get anything wrong. Um, but yeah, let, let's get started. Okay, then. So I guess the, the obvious first question there, Sam, is uh, what is Azure Stack? Okay, so... Um, if we just put, um, if we, okay, let's, let's set the scene of sort of hybrid, um, uh, environments, right? Yeah. You know, uh, let, let's talk about, uh, traditional it, uh, might be on premise or might be in a data center. Um, and now we have, um, cloud platforms where it is possible to move workloads into a cloud environment. So you effectively say, Let's say you've got a let's say you've got a virtual machine. Um, you've got a virtual machine on your one one of your in on premise servers, and uh, when your hardware refresh comes up, um, you might decide I'm not going to invest um, in in a hardware refresh. I'm going to move that virtual machine to the cloud. Um, and what you then do is you take away um, a lot of the 
infrastructure operations away from that. So, you know, security, power, um, well, physical security, I should say, physical security, power, uh, cooling, um, hardware. You, you take a lot of the responsibilities away from you and you you pay for Microsoft to take those responsibilities on. Um, you know, from a software and a security perspective, you know, there is shared responsibility. So you're not, you know, completely isolated from any sort of responsibility, but it, it can help with that. Um, and that's okay if the workload that you've got fits uh, the cloud uh, model um, and it makes, you know, a lot of the time it makes commercial sense if it makes commercial sense to put it into the cloud. You might also have things like regulatory um, restrictions. Uh, maybe you're in a highly regulated uh, field. Maybe you're in uh, defense, national infrastructure, you know, uh, government. You may have uh, uh, data uh, residency uh, restrictions, you know, data sovereignty uh, issues and concerns where you, you may want to keep some workloads um, on premise. So it's not always, you know, quick, you know, hybrid, uh, hybrid compute 101. It's, it's, it's not always simple to simply, you know, move your workloads into Azure. And we see that quite a lot, don't we, Alan? You know, there, there is still a, 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 you know, it's still reasonable to expect that some workloads, um, aren't ready for the for for the cloud or may never be able to go to cloud because of regulatory compliance yeah definitely there's definitely um yeah regulatory compliance and data sovereignty sovereignty is um definitely one of the the main ones for not going to the cloud as well as uh potentially cost as well and or or the view of a different cost model is probably fair to say and understanding yeah. all, all of those costs yeah definitely uh, but I think one thing that we can, uh, I could probably pretty confidently say is that um, the management experience and configuration experience from, say, the Azure portal um, for for resources is a, is a great place to be. So, so what Azure Stack is um, uh, attempting to do, and there's sort of three discrete areas, and we'll go through those in, in Azure Stack because it's more of a, a group of uh, solutions than it is you know one singular solution. Um, what what it's aiming to do is to um, add the uh, the benefit of the Azure um, the Azure management plane um, to those those hybrid scenarios. And there's there's sort of three different levels. There's sort of a um, you know more simplistic you know medium and then sort of enterprise um, level uh, sort of Azure Stack deployment. There's three uh, areas there. We will go through those. Um, and and you can effectively uh, decide which of those you know could potentially work um, for you. Um, and again, it's it's an extension of Azure capability. So it's I wouldn't say you know from my perspective, um, it's not a hard and fast requirement because there is good hardware and software to to manage those you know uh, on premise and and data center um, scenarios, but. What what we'll see with Azure Stack is if you if you are if if you are um, happy or you can uh, cloud connect them, um, you can pick up a lot of um, uh, management uh, and control niceties and deployment niceties uh, by doing so. So that's kind of talking around uh, potentially bringing in a single place for management against on-premise and your like your Azure cloud course sort of scenarios yeah I, I i i kind of see it as um you know we talk about um sort of together as one from the defender suite and and security right you know um uh, trying to advocate away from point solutions in security and and having one singular you know security identity you know and and access control plane um I kind of see that the same for this infrastructure, you know, have one place um, to, to, to manage things um, and, and, and not have lots of disparate, you know, areas that you, and, and maybe potential technologies that you have to have um, uh, the technical um, education and experience inside of your organization to manage. Right. Because, you know, we've seen it from say, um, 
arc connected you know uh, virtual machines um you get you you get a very similar you don't it's not a similar experience but you get a familiar experience to straight virtual machines in azure right you know it's 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 not the same thing but it's it's presented in the same way right you know it's easy to it's easier to understand that the extension of the portal in that way if if that makes sense yeah definitely okay so you talked about three products within azure stack what are they you, you haven't actually mentioned what they are you just said that there's three of them okay yeah so let me start off with the first one um azure stack edge um and this this is a this is an interesting one um and if you if if, if i think about you know um small medium and large in terms of deployments um when I say small, I, I, I don't mean like, you know, this isn't true like edge or IoT computing. These are still like real machines with, you know, um, uh, decent specifications. But Microsoft actually, from a deployment perspective, they actually market it as a hardware as a service, right? So it's a, it's, it's a fully uh, like integrated appliance um, that you effectively rent um through a subscription right so there's a few different um that there's a few different like skews to it so you got the pro there's the pro and the pro 2 and both of those are uh sort of rack mount units right the the pro is like a, like a larger sort of one u rack mountable appliance you'd like a really deep rack mountable like a real server sort of size thing and then the pro 2 i think is to you uh it, yeah i think it's to you and it's slightly shorter so you know maybe that's for ease of you know deployment um and both of them have um you know like powerful specifications like the pro is 40v cpus with 102 gig of ram the pro 2 has less a vcpu so 32 vcpus and then it has you know 64 128 gig you know 256 gig of ram and they both have the ability to have nvidia gpus placed inside them as well so they're sort of um like more traditional um like you know rack mountable like units and then they do the pro r which stands for a rugger ruggable and uh, and so that oh, so rugged sorry and that is that is effectively like a uh like a server chassis like wrapped in like a protective cage um it, I, I we're on a podcast so i can't show you a picture unfortunately and then there's the mini r which is like it kind of looks like if you've ever seen like um is it a tough book like it was it the toshiba tough book like used to get i think dell do them as well it looks like it looks like a tough book laptop with its screen closed and then it's got like bumpers on the edge of it for like true you know out in the field um like deployments and we usually do pricing at the end but i'm going to talk about pricing a little bit here because i'm not going to talk about all the SKUs because they all you know depends where you ship them to and things like that but i just worked through a couple of them so the mini r which is like the the tiniest little like ruggable um oh, ruggable rugged uh, deployment <laughs> model um the monthly service fee on that is 1300 well 1400 basically and to get it shipped out it's 50 dollars to get it shipped to america uh, emea is 200 dollars, and, and so on and, and things like that so as far as far as i can see you don't buy the appliance you just rent it for a monthly fee right so literally is hardware as a service and when i looked through the pricing you know if you don't return it you have to pay like a a penalty fee like a non-return fee or you know if you break it there's different things in, in around in and around that um and what what was really interesting is the the edge pro 2 which is like the 2u but slightly shorter uh, rack mount device um the 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 64 gig of ram one is um only 399 dollars a month which i don't really get because i would assume the rug the smaller rugged uh, rugged one um and and that is also battery operated that rugged one 
as well so you can actually truly like take it into the field so i forgot to i forgot to mention that um yeah it's a bit it's a bit crazy yeah yeah i think you'll find because it's the same thing as you sort of mentioned the the toshiba rugged laptops um previous lives i've seen those and they are for what they are you know what they are they are crazy expensive but theory is you can run them over yeah and they won't break and things like that you know so you yeah. can imagine how much effort's been put into this to make, well, not necessarily a tank running over it. I mean, it might be at that grade, but, you know, it's going to be able to be thrown from a height yeah. or something. So <laughs> yeah. just definitely just sound like it's out in a, in a field somewhere. Yeah, and I assume that they must get beaten up quite a lot, right? You know, they are t- designed to be, you know, out in literally the field, right? So it might also be that, you know, they're at, their average life expectancy is a lot lower <laughs> potentially, right? Um, yeah, and then you, you can add um, you can add um, a singular uh, GPU, or you can have two two GPUs. And there's there's a couple of extra SKUs in there as well. But I, I'm not going to go through all of those. But but effectively, you're just paying for for hardware as a service. So um, if if so, we've got this, and this seems a bit weird considering this is an Azure podcast. We've got an appliance, right? <laughs> Which is not really the point of <laughs> Azure, I suppose, right? Um, but what can you do on it? So um, there's there's a there's 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 multiple different workloads that are supported. So um, machine one of the big and why there is a, a GPU um, accelerated SKUs is we're talking about machine learning at the edge. So so we're not talking about train potentially training your machine learning models, but once you've you know uh, developed your machine, you've trained your machine learning models and you want to run them at the edge accelerated um you know maybe you've got a um um a machine learning model that you want to run in you know maybe your factory you know really close to the edge you don't want to stream you know let's say your your data feed from what you are you know processing with your machine learning model is so high throughput that you couldn't possibly you know um uh spit that to the cloud and then process it there and, and run those models there so um so 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 here we have a like a managed environment in order to 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 run that um you can um you you can there's there's an the an iot um uh, solution on board as well to effectively aggregate um iot uh, data that's coming in um and um and processing it um uh, locally so uh, filtering it processing it and then you can obviously, you know, uh, store what you need um, on the cloud, and the way I kind of see this is is like a, a remote um, data collection rule, right? You know, like as in being able to filter down that IoT data, um, maybe act on it locally as well, and push up your results. You know, what you need um, there. It can also act as a storage gateway, um, so it can it can be used as like a um, like a middle uh, a middle stop. Um, to 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 cloud storage so you know devices connect to the azure stack edge device to store data there and that then pushes data up into azure at a throttled you know frequency that works for you you know maybe um maybe you're a science lab and and you 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 have like maybe you know, uh, gigabytes of data that you you want to to, to store, but um, maybe the right time to process that storage is overnight. So use a storage gateway locally to then push to the cloud at, at times. Um, you know, uh, when when is best suited. Um, uh, they can support compute. I'll talk about compute in a, a little bit more detail uh, about some specific workloads. Um, but um, running local app applications actually at the edge, uh, like not you know uh, in in in, um, in Azure. Um, and the the big focus uh, again that we've already talked about is around regulatory compliance. You know, um, do, 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 are, are you allowed to send that data? Uh, into potentially a public cloud, um, and that doesn't. I'm not saying that it's just publicly accessible. I mean, you know, it's it's not a, an environment that you maybe control. It might not be a private cloud, or you know, um, you might have some uh, regulatory compliance um, uh, uh, legislation that you have to deal with. You know, um, you know, and 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 so 
this is a way to get that technology uh, right out um, to you. Okay, um, so I believe once you you get your device, um, it, you, I'm not sure about the onboarding, but you effectively can clou uh, cloud connect it um, at that point and get management from Azure portal um, to the to the device. I believe you can manage it locally as well. Um, so when we are in the portal, we can deploy uh, different edge services. So we can do things like um, Windows Server VMs, uh, Linux uh, VMs, and you can also do Azure Kubernetes service. I'm not going to go too much into like the specific um, uh, solutions and, and integrations there um, because I... I I'm going to talk about Azure Stack HCI next, and, and that will give you a really good idea about what is actually available there. You also get the Windows Admin Center uh, UI as well. Um, Alan, did you say you also get that with Azure Arc, don't you? The the connection yeah. to like Windows Server Admin Center. Could you could you just talk to us about what that does um, from an Arc perspective? Yeah, so Azure Arc, in effect, gives that sort of, we, we kind of talked about earlier, but a lightweight management um, agent to a, you know, on-premise on um, virtual machine. That could be, you know, a, on a hypervisor. You know, that's not, not any of these um, Azure, Azure Stack ones, but, um, or it could be a physical machine at this point as well. Um, but when it creates that connection, um Within Azure and you know the Azure VMs, you're able to use the the Windows Admin Center to do some of that day to day stuff without having to log onto it. You know, see what roles are installed. Um, you know, what the you know the high high level you know what's happening with it. Um, Microsoft sort of introduced that that you can go via the Azure Arc because it's in effect you know it's there managing it. So why not? So it means that you can do a light, I'd say lightweight management of it into Azure. Into you know onto, into the on-premise um, machine or data center. Um, I mean, Azure Arc does other things because like you can bring down like Azure Policy, Defend for Cloud can come down on over to it, and um, we can do data collection rules for Azure Monitor as well. So there's other bits that bring some of the functionality in Azure to you know a a, a, a machine in a data center or you know on-premise. Um, but not, you know, doesn't do anything else around the the hypervisor part of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's what we're seeing here with, you know, uh, Azure Stack Edge. We're seeing a, uh, I'm going to say like a, a vertically integrated, you know, hardware appliance um, that gives you, I mean, not obviously not the full set of um, like, uh, compute resources and and services that are available from Azure, um, but a, a lot of core res um, a lot of core um, um, solutions that um, will enable you to do a lot more edge you know um, edge edge based computing, but also with that management um, connection back to Azure, right? So um, and I I got you to explain Azure Arc because. If if you are a listener and you have used Arc before, from from what I have I have seen of um, Stack Edge, um, th that is a very similar um, uh, experience, uh, right? That, that's utilized. So if you're familiar of Arc um, and you happen to come across um, Stack Edge, um, I don't personally think there's going to be too much, uh, f you know, far away from from that experience. So so I guess the the this is taking effect as well. I, I kind of sort of said it, but this is taking away the having to manage the the hypervisor part of it, isn't it? Because that's all done via Azure or the the interface that you may get locally. But in effect, it's just the portal. You you say what you want, and then it just it builds it for you. There's no uh, I have to spin up a VM or anything. It's just done by you know the either Azure telling the the appliance to do it or you know locally. That's 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 from what I'm, what I what I'm seeing because, yeah, and you know, obviously you physically got the device, haven't you? Right, hmm. but the the management of I, I assume the operating system and and what's on it is either going to be 
it might be driven by you, but it's probably completely controlled by that software stack, right? You know, because you might, I don't know, because I haven't put one in and I haven't managed it. But my assumption is, is that you would just patch it, not the underlying, like the underlying operating system is, you know, transparent to you, right? You know, you're just running, you know, this, this appliance that, yeah. Uh, that that may yes, need to be updated, it, right? It's it's kind of taking a bit of that resp- a small amount of the responsibility away from you. You still got to do the power, the cooling, the exactly. the electric, etc. But you've the the operating system or the hypervisor part is then sort of not owned, but is secured and managed by Microsoft and its patching processes. Yeah, and apparently the Mini R one can uh, be mounted, um, like it can be put in a backpack. So if anybody's ever used it in that sort of configuration, please send me a picture because I'd absolutely love to see <laughs> to see that, that that happening. Have you got any stats on how heavy it is? I don't know <laughs> no. if I'd want to carry it. <laughs> I no, I haven't. I, I I'm still on this um this weekend um because what I like to do is I like to um this is a bit nerdy, but like every weekend I like to open. Uh, the docks and just find like a new bit of Azure that I've never looked at before. And a few weeks ago, it was like <laughs> the turn of Azure stack. And as I kept reading, it was just like more and more like insane what you could actually do. <laughs> and this is why this podcast episode happened because I just can't believe you can run like a, I'm going to call it like an Azure node on your backpack, battery powered. <laughs> like I could just, it's just, yeah, I can I can imagine you know like um uh, I don't know what they call it in Bing Maps, but like Street View. There's probably a different name for it, right? I don't, I don't know. Um, I could just imagine you know um, because you see um you know like the Google Maps um operators, they've got backpacks, haven't they? You know that they um they use, and they've got like a big camera above their head. I just imagine <laughs> that the 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 people that do the Bing Maps have got exactly the same camera, but they've got a mini R like <laughs> IoT Edge, like <laughs> taking all the pictures, crunching them, and then just sending like the output <laughs> back into Azure. It's probably not that cool, but like I'd absolutely love to see that um, for sure. Okay, let's move on to um, Azure Stack HCI next. Um, and I would say Azure Stack HCI takes the, I'm going to call it like pro, uh, the production level up a notch, in in in, in my opinion. Um, and what I'll do is I'll continually reuse uh, an example um, that, that, that I, I saw about um, retail deployments of um, Kubernetes enabled apps, right? Because I didn't really realize um, how um, retail, uh, retail like shops, um, restaurants and, and cafes, um, especially with like large chains have uh, such disconnected challenges, you know, because you've got, you've effectively got potentially thousands of different locations that have, um, you know, computing requirements. Um, and some of those environments can be very harsh, right? You know, like actually physically visiting those sites and um, doing IT at those like locations can be a big challenge because they could be physically located far away, you know, a- across the-, the the world, basically. Um, so I'll use that as we go through because I think that's a really good example of where HCI is um, really, really powerful. So. It's all built on validated partner hardware. And I think that I'm going to start there because that's important for the rest of this vertical uh, integration. On top of it, you have um, Azure Stack HCI operating system. So, which I think is just Windows Server, but okay, because it has Hyper-V, it has um, a a storage spaces direct and software divine networking on top of it. Um, And then... On top of that, you have the hypervisor level, which provides you Windows servers, virtual machines, Linux server, virtual machines, and Azure Kubernetes service. Then you have the Windows Admin Center UI. And then you have on top of that, um, you know, a connection into Azure at that point as well. And that stack that I've just, you know, bottom to top stack that I've just um, described is the whole Azure Stack HCI solution. Um, and and really, the, the big push for this is Azure Kubernetes service and you know cloud you know containerized apps essentially um, being run at the edge. So, um, 
the the Azure Stack HCI nodes are apparently a small form factor machine. I couldn't actually find an example machine, right, um, uh, of what it is, but it's 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 apparently supposed to be, you know, um, they should be small nodes so they can be deployed in, you know, non like data center environments, uh, basically. Um, they're performance optimized because they're actually running like local workloads um, at, at the edge. Um, and what you can also do is you can run other uh, different types of workloads. So let's let's just let's just go through those workloads because I think that's that's really um, really important. So let's start with some of the more um, well. Let's start with a more non-compute based uh, ones is probably the best. Um, so you can virtualize applications like SQL Server on it as well. Um, you can do virtual desktop infrastructure um, locally as well using RDS, which I thought was interesting um, because I assume that a lot of those environments they still may use you know um, on on-premise virtual des uh, desktop infrastructure. And what your what you can also do is, um, like I've said, uh, virtual machines. So let's just talk about the virtual machine experience. So the virtual machine images, you can either use Azure Marketplace images, or you can build your own images like you can with, you know, uh, in Azure. It even has virtual machine extensions like Azure. And you can have sort of total flexibility of each of those virtual machines, you know, what V, how many vCPUs they've got, how much memory, what their networking and their storage is. So and when you deploy these, um, these virtual machines, um, you effectively just uh, deploy them. You can just deploy them from, from the portal. And the management blades for them are very similar to the, you know, the, the virtual machine, um, you know, uh, management blades in, in, in Azure itself. So you get, you know, you, you get this ability to remotely create virtual machine deployments. Um, but I'll, I'll come back to workloads in a second, because I do just want to talk about um, some of the other integrations. So a big push in this area is, is Kubernetes clusters. And what what they're effectively uh, uh, promoting is is you you deploy a Kubernetes cluster to each of these you know remote nodes. Um, you've got you know um, full Linux support and full Kubernetes support, but then you've also got Azure AD integration into there. Um, so you can so for access to the Kubernetes clusters, you can use Azure AD identities um, inside of it. So you're you're not also, you know, from an identity perspective, um, you're you're not replicating, you know, separate identity structures on each of these nodes. These are cloud connected, you know, and Azure AD um, backed um, uh, uh, nodes, which I th I thought was really, um, really, really important. Do do you, do you think then that if uh, you may you may not know because we may not have gone into this in much detail with it, but I'm thinking around. You know, if you had resources running in Azure, real, you know, real Azure, <laughs> yeah. um, um, and you had a managed identity, do you think that you could, in effect, use that managed identity to access those Kubernetes? Do you I the guess exact, it's a possibility. The exact wording from the documentation that I picked up and copied in is use your existing identities in RBAC <laughs> for cluster access. Well, there you go. So... Uh, what scope that that goes to and the types of you know uh, identities I, I can't say um but my assumption is is that it phones home for you know that level of access right you know so i i don't know but it, it sounds like it's very tightly so, integrated with aad so this is it kind of feels like this might be that if you're on a journey from an identity perspective to maybe move away from Active Directory, and don't get me wrong, that is a a long journey. You know, it's not a overnight thing. Um, that it's it's the way to start bringing some of those services into Azure AD and have them you know physically near you as well. So so I've I've obviously I've talked about you know um, 
this re retail Kubernetes work, uh, you know, workload scenario, right? But I have also seen uh, HCI being used to, to uh, let's call it refresh on-premise workloads. So as you so as you refresh your hardware, you you could refresh into HCI hardware instead of you know other sort of traditional solutions. You then pick up the you sort of the, the tightly integrated like virtualization stack that HCI gives you, which is from what we can see just Windows like what you'd probably be using anyway, potentially using you know if you're Hyper V. But what you also get is you get the effectively Arc connected cloud, you know, um, uh, management, right? And 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 we see this where you know people are arcing their on premise environments, right? Mm. You know, to to get well, a lot of the time it's it's a good communication um, gateway, isn't it? Arc, right? To back into Azure. Um, but, but imagine if you could actually properly manage those machines remotely, you know, and get even tighter integrations into them, you know, um, push virtual machines to them, push configuration to them, you know, and, and do all of that, you, you get a level of control that you, 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 you don't really get with traditional, you know, virtualized hosts. Right. Yeah. And I, th I think you've got to think about how you manage because, Bear in mind, this might be a remote, remote, you know, data center that you, you know, maybe from another country you're dealing with, you know, another region that you're working in and be able to do some of that, um, you know, some of that management might be difficult and that actually now you're moving it to Azure where you can access it from anywhere. You don't need VPNs or anything like that to sort of manage it, uh, might reduce costs that way. And that hypervisor being managed by Azure we think about um, some organizations might be using um, uh, like VMware maybe to, to manage that that plane, but also um, things like um, System Center Virtual Machine Manager to, to manage the Hyper-V environments as well. And there's a cost to that still. Yeah. So Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, so data, data center consolidation, you know, I, I've talked about remote or branch office systems, but data center consolidation is is definitely a a use case you know for for this solution um what is really good is you get a really tightly sort of vertically integrated hardware management layer so um where is because i believe you get um uh so with azure monitor um you can you can get monitoring alerts for the actual hardware so so what you can say is let's say you've had a faulty um disk inside of your virtual uh, not your virtual machine, your host, <laughs> I should say. Sorry, I'm in like a cloud connected thing. Um, you can drill into, you can look into the clusters that you've got. You've got Windows Admin Center, but it actually goes further on to that, to hardware management, because the hardware is provided by these, you know, um, tightly connected uh, vendors. And you can effectively, it can effectively show you in the Azure portal, like physically which disk and show you a picture of the front of the server and which disk that you've actually got to go and replace, you know, to do maintenance on it and, and, and those types of things. So you're actually also getting, you know, a a hardware view that I've never, you know, I've never even thought would be part of, you know, uh, Azure, as, uh, Azure as well. Um, I did just, I did just want to, um, we're at 38 minutes already, so I'm going to move on to the next one, but I do just want to talk about one thing so, on the Kubernetes on. side, sorry. Um, because it's effectively arc connected, uh, uh, Kubernetes uh, clusters, you can deploy once you've got the management like planes on them, you can deploy apps remotely via, uh, DevOps. Um, so you can, you can connect, um, you know, GitHub repositories and do um, uh, deployments down to these environments. You can also do hybrid deployments. So what you can do is, in your in in your uh, in your connection, you can do a hybrid uh, deployment. So you can test your because it's all containerized applications. You can test your workloads in the cloud, and then you deploy them to the edge in production, 
not the not into Azure. So because they are just because um, all of these things, because they're like Arc connected, they are just resources in Azure. So you can decide where you deploy your deploy your app, uh, application to. So from a DevOps perspective, you know that you know from uh, testing to production um, that work and deployment that workflow. Because I, I can imagine that you know like edge deployments into retail environments must be an absolute nightmare. Is my uh, view on it? Like how do they you know how do they remote into those boxes? How do they deploy and validate? You know, I, I can't imagine managing a kubernetes cluster remotely like i don't know how that would i assume it's all like point to point it's all just vp i don't know i i i I, I, it'd be great to find out if somebody does that because it sounds complicated um so so yeah go just quickly then so is this got the same pricing model is it hardware or is, is it something that you buy the whole hardware and then there's like a fee for the azure management piece before I tell you that, I've got to tell you just one more thing, right? Okay. I will answer that question though. Um, what is really interesting though is is because it is just they are effectively just resources in Azure at this point. You can use ARM and other deployment methodologies to to duplicate your deployments across physical clusters. So if you've got an application, uh, let's say you had a you want to deploy a virtual machine in two places at the same time using the same image. Um, let's say your application was, you know, let's say you um, created your own VM images for every new version of your software. Let's say that it wasn't Kubernetes. Let's just say it was like a, you know, a Linux a virtual machine and you just deployed a new, you know, um, image every time you upgraded. Um, you could you could manage all of that and you could create um those 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 um the virtual machines um using using arm in in azure which is is really powerful um i will talk to you about so hci pricing uh one second my link is broken um uh, i'm just going to pull it up because there's like a, i think it's like vcore pricing uh just give me 2 seconds Okay, so I believe that, okay, so I believe it's based on, there is an uplift on top of the hardware, basically. I believe you buy the hardware, it's my you know uh and i could be i could be wrong on that but i believe you buy the hardware and then there is um so for the the host servicing fee it's 9 pounds per physical core per month monthly service fee for the host servicing fee um there is it's actually free if you've got the azure hybrid benefit as well um and then there's add on workloads on top um, so the only paid one that I can see of that is Windows Server subscription. So for the guest uh, VMs on there, and that's eighteen pounds per physical core per month. I assume that's just to enable Windows VM hypervisor. It doesn't say that's per. I don't know if that's per guest. I d- I don't know that part, or if that's just a flat. You've got to pay this to unlock. You know. Um, uh, the support for Windows um, uh, virtual machine guests. So, okay, so that's a different model. It's, you buy the hardware and then you're buying the the management plane in effect. Yes. So yeah, really. Yeah. The, so all your all your support and stuff goes back to the those providers of the hardware sort of thing. So yeah. it goes back to them rather than Microsoft. And I assume you like manage that hardware, you know, yourself. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, like, as in, you know, the physical. In your data center, on prem, you know, on prem or, or whatever, right? Yep. Um. Okay. So the last one, and the almost, I think this was the one that sort of blew my mind more than anything else. To be honest with you, I mean, HCI seems great. I'd love an HCI node at home for sure, but that's not going to happen. Um. So, well, unless anybody out there that's you know can can get me one 100%. Anyway, so um Azure Stack Hub. Right. So Azure Stack Hub, if you imagine Azure 
in your data center, that is pretty much as close as you're going to get with your stack hub. Now, this is the most enterprisey of the lot, right? So I'm not going to be able to do a dive into too much like detail here, but I'll give you the um, the high level um, what's what's going on here. So Azure Stack Hub is apparently um, delivered to you um, directly by the rack by a hardware partner. So you you are effectively buying uh, racks of compute. And from what I can see and the terminology that they use, they effectively have a version of Azure resource manager, Azure portal, and all of those, you know, all the all the underlying technologies that drive Azure um, on those on those uh, on those machines. So um, you you can deploy it on on premise, and you can also you can deploy it um, connected to the internet and Azure, um, and you can also deploy it in completely disconnected environments as well. Um, there are different. Um, they have IaaS, SaaS, and PaaS capabilities. So I'll just name a few. Um, virtual machines for both Windows and Linux. Um, Azure web apps and function apps apparently are supported as well. Uh, you can run Key Vault on them. Uh, Azure Resource Manager uh, runs on on top of that. So I assume the API is there as well. Don't know, but guessing so. Um, uh, the Azure Marketplace can run on top of it as well. Um, containers. And then I think what's most mind-boggling to me is the admin tools that are available to you. So what you can do is you can um, actually... Def so you can have the concept of regions. And I don't know if we've heard of regions before, but they're kind of like an Azure thing. And that's effectively like having multiple stack hub clusters in different regions and like connecting them together just the same as like you know the same concept as as azure um it's multi-tenant capable as well so just as we have tenants in a in azure and um you can have um what they call plans which i'm guessing they're just subscription plans right like we've got in um in azure you can do offers as well on them you've got full rbac um on there as well and what's really interesting to me is that um you can enable extra like uh resource providers that are supported so things like um well, we've talked about app service but also you know sql databases mysql databases um and so you can um, you can you can effectively get a lot more of I'll call it like standard you know um, uh, Azure solutions actually completely and even disconnected like on prem um, basically. And from what I can what I can what I can see is that like these effectively are completely. Um, you know, they get to their full hardware racks that get delivered to you, uh, like pre-installed with everything you need ready to go. Uh, I think you have to do like the commissioning and putting in the correct networking and connectivity and all of those things that you need. Um, you can do IoT hub on it. You could do Kubernetes. You can do event hubs as well. Um, you can have local container registries. Um, yeah, there's a, a lot going on there. Um, and what I thought, so I was reading all that and I was like, wow, this is effectively like on-prem Azure. That's what it sounds like to me um, with all of the, the you know, uh, the, the control on top of it. And then I got to the usage and billing section. I thought, I was like, why would you need to worry about usage and billing? And then apparently you can run it as a CSP and you can offer like private cloud services to other organizations as a CSP. So you can effectively, this is how I see it, is as a CSP, you, you run the hardware and then you sell the compute off to other organizations that might need like, you know, controlled environments. So 
yeah and there's apparently there's apis to get the the usage stats of you know the different tenants and things like that so it's from what i can see and i'm not you know this is just me going through the documentation and spending hours on you know youtube trying to work out like what the hell this thing does um it seems like you can also then, you know, resell this compute and resource, you know, uh, further down the line for other organizations. Sounds sounds really cool. So it's like some organizations, they can build their own private Azure data centers and regions. Um, you can have it so that you can uh, resell it to to other parts of your business, maybe. Maybe you've got a central IT and then got other departments there that you could in effect like you said multi-tenant sell it off sell different parts to it so it's you know, correctly built there might be different legal entities at this point as well yeah um, yeah that's that's a good that's a good uh thing because you know like how you might structure azure for different like you know billing um billing cost centers in different you know um, departments and things like that maybe maybe that's that's a view for larger organizations, right? You know, mergers and acquisitions, you know, like you might have separate tenants for different legal entities and, and things like that. So yeah, I didn't ever think about it well, like that to be totally honest with you. Yeah, it might, it might be another scenario I'm, I'm thinking of in my head. I mean, local authority background is that, you know, there are providers that maybe do it for local authority, that they have big data centers in the UK, for example, for local authority that isn't, you know, is managed by not UK people, but, you know, we definitely know it's there and it's in a different yeah. sort of control Data sovereignty, mechanism. right? Yeah, and yeah. and you, you effectively um, have, like, this is a private cloud driven by Azure technology, right, at that point, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, then building that and then, you know, selling it out to the the other local authorities or, or whatever. It might even be, like, the NHS, maybe, something, you know, something like that. Um, yeah. yeah. That sounds really, really interesting. And there is. The most exciting thing for us is there is a development kit that you can apparently run not all of the services and i believe the um, resource requirements are quite high um <laughs> but there is a development kit that you can have effectively run a sandbox environment of azure stack hub on a machine so that would be interesting yeah, i think, I think. bring your own hardware isn't it and here's the image but i think the requirements sound like they're, they're insane i think when i last looked because yeah. i think um me and um, Chris were going to look at it and go, oh, yeah, this looks cool. Let's get this up. Oh, we can spin up on our PCs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, maybe maybe that old server we've got somewhere might be able to take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, it looks like, you know, so, and, and like I said, with all of these technologies, these aren't, you know, because um, I know Azure Stack is a discipline in itself, right? You know, the, you know, all of these different technologies, there are architects and consultants that, that just do this, you know, day in, day out. Um, uh, so this really isn't in our realm, but I I just thought it was um, why I wanted to bring it up as a podcast episode. And I, I think I've already said it, but I'm going to say it again, is that, you know, without, without me just stumbling across, you know, like effectively a YouTube video, like I would have never even thought about how these high, for me, it's around how these hybrid workloads are managed, you know, and the challenges of managing those hybrid workloads. Because that's just not something that, you know, from a security perspective, what we really have to think about. And I think it gives us good context of what the challenges organizations are facing, right? You know, because it's not just a simple case of putting everything in Azure. You know, if you've got a hundred retail locations, you know, it might not actually be possible to have you know, uh, reliable, decent internet connectivity to each of those locations, potentially, right? And, and run everything remotely and, and have that dependence on internet connectivity and things like that. So um, so, so I think, and, and these solutions to me, um, I don't know where they sit in the wider marketplace as well, because I haven't looked at anything other than, than Microsoft, but they, from a, like a Azure and Microsoft, you know, integration, um, they're very tightly coupled with Azure, which which adds a lot of value, I think. Um, I can't give you any pricing on Azure Stack Hub because it's just like, hey, talk to us and we'll sort you out, basically. That's, that's, that's interesting because I was going to say, I've been looking at the... Um, I, on the Azure page, it does talk about pricing. Yeah, so if I just... Um, but I think from the sound of it, it sounds like there's no upfront cost. You pay as you use it. 
if if it's cloud connected. So you can in effect like put the data center in a Microsoft tool. You'll use you'll pay for what you use. Yeah, but from do, what I've do, seen. Do, do you not think there would have to be a minimum commit on that? Because uh, like, because I, I know they've got the pricing. Like they've got like you know. Um, it's five pounds for each virtual CPU per month, and and you know, um, but it doesn't talk about like it doesn't talk about RAM or anything like that. So what what I didn't what I couldn't work out is is it it does say that it's like got no upfront fees, right? But I assume you there must be a qualification in because there's there's got to be some pretty beefy like hardware that goes in like to these environments right it's it's got to be like six figures worth of hardware it what it was saying and i've briefly been looking at this whilst you've been um talking about it is that in effect it is pay as you go and you can do capacity if it's disconnected so you can say i'm gonna commit to this on it because they can't get the stats right okay so I mean, I guess you, what you've got to think about is if you're not using it, you're using a, you're consuming a lot of power and cooling just to have something sat there that you're not using. Well, if, if I go into the... They've got a, like a... Um, how is it? Licensed packaging and pricing guide. And it, it the first thing is the hardware is purchased directly from the hardware vendor. Um, a complete list of Azure Stack Hub hardware partners can be found on you know the web, basically. So it does look like that you buy the hardware anyway, and then you pay a fee on top of it to run um, stack on top, basically. But okay. But again, I don't really, I don't really know because I think the payers you use is like the subscription billing model in Azure for actually using it. If if that makes sense, because if you think about it one v core for five pounds a month is very 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 cheap isn't it if you compare yeah, that, that is to, true if you compare okay. that to azure i could be talking complete nonsense by the way because and if anybody is out there that's uh ever deployed or or operated as your stack hub please get in contact because it would be great to have you on the podcast for sure um because yeah it just and but it does it it does say that you can have a capacity model but I think that's just for like the service on top of the hardware, basically. Right. Because okay. I assume this must be racks. Like this is like, and I'm not just talking like one rack. I'm talking like <laughs> a bank of racks, right? It's, it's If you're deploying this, you must have, I would assume you would have that level of hardware requirement, right? You know. Um, but yeah, okay. Um, that's that's pretty much me on uh, Azure Stack. We've we've been got fifty seven minutes. Wow! If anybody's got to the end of this, yep. um, w- well done. Um, yeah. So um, so hopefully that gave everybody sort of a little you know teaser into Azure Stack. A- any other questions, Alan, or anything? Or are you just going to spend the next three nights um, trying to find out <laughs> all the different? Trying to find some hardware to test <laughs> yes, it out on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no i've got no questions um thank you because i think you covered it very well yeah Definitely. well i hope i hope that my my ramblings and everything um sort of conveyed the, the main benefits of it and it, it, it is just sort of a brain dump from my last few weeks of um but yeah if i ever get it running on something or i find one of those backpack i'm gonna set up an ebay alert for one of those uh <laughs> machines because somebody's bound to <laughs> just want to test it out and then yeah i just i just want to walk around with it on my backpack and um i don't know what i'd do with it but you know um well you you won't get one will you because it's hardware as a service so it goes yeah but i'm just hoping that somebody (laughs) won't return it right (laughs) so um, it ends up on ebay but yeah no um so a little bit out of our you know our our comfort zone but yeah um cool technology i think um uh, definitely from microsoft um if you've enjoyed this episode actually wait we're not doing that part of this yet we've got to tease the next episode haven't we (laughs) alan what is the uh what is the next episode that we're gonna do so i'm going to talk about um azure key vault so looking at uh securing your certificates and secrets and we're um and what the rbac models are and things like that because we sometimes get not caught out but 
it's so good that uh, sometimes we don't have access to the bits we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we do love a key vault, don't we, Alan? That's for sure. So um, yeah, great service from Microsoft, and uh, yeah, that should be a good episode. Um, key vault is a, is great. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future. We have many more topics that we'd like to cover, and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward. You also have the ability um, to give us some feedback. Uh, did you enjoy this episode? Disagree? Um, got any thoughts? Did you miss anything? Have you got part of this hardware that you, we can find some more information out from you? Um, you know, please use the form to um, to in our notes to um, leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Alan. And we'll catch you all in the next one. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for a great episode and speak to everyone soon. Bye.